Welcome to the Future is Fun podcast with your hosts, Brian Olds and Danielle Tucker. Buckle up as we explore the latest emerging technologies, business trends, and fascinating discoveries that are shaping our world today. Are you ready? Let's dive in and see what the future has in store. All right, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Future is Fun podcast. Brian O's coming at you. Uh, joined as always with my amazing co-host, Danielle Tucker in the building. What's going on, Danielle? Hey, doing good. So excited for our conversation today. It's going to be fun. Epis- episode three, episode three. Super excited. This is this is um, historic in many, many ways and um, so much to dive into. And obviously, if you are... Um, watching on uh, YouTube or Spotify or any of our video platforms, you can see that we have our very first guest uh, joining us. And that is none other than the one and only Rachel Woods, uh, who is a real life data scientist. She's also the founder of the AI Exchange. How are you, Rachel? I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here. We are super excited. Uh, Danielle and I have been looking forward to uh, this conversation for a long time, and you are the first uh, guest uh, on the Futures Fun podcast as well. And so, uh, no pressure, but obviously, <laughs> super excited. We, this is a layup for you because I know you talk about this stuff all the time. Uh, we connected on TikTok, uh, which uh, we'll put the link to that in the uh, show notes as well for anybody who wants to follow Rachel there. But you do such a good job of um like wading into this conversation i was just hoping that you would say yes so thank you uh thank you for your yes um of course so, so let's dive into it so we're talking about the future of ai uh the future of artificial intelligence and so i really wanted to start off um and talk to both of you a little bit about just uh i i feel like we're kind of at this nexus point uh not just with uh ai but with all sorts of technology where we're starting to see uh, things that were t- kind of captured in movies, film, and television like 20, 30 years ago is now starting to catch up to real life. Um, everybody knows I'm a huge nerd, you know. Um, so whether it's Star Trek, Star Wars, you know, I grew up with my mom watching the Jetsons. So there was all this talk of like what at that time, you know, the year 2020 sounded so far away, you know, and now it's here. And so it's like, okay, what do we have that we thought we didn't have? And so I'm really curious from you, Rachel and Danielle, around um, uh, what your perception of AI has been. But for me, um, there are three specific examples I thought about as I was kind of getting ready for this episode. So one is, are you all familiar with the show Knight Rider? Oh, no. No. <laughs> okay. So in 1982, this is this is this is the farthest back as it goes. So okay. 1982, <laughs> there's a, a show called Night Rider. It's about this car, this black sentient car uh, that is starred by David Hasselhoff. But he's basically like uh, a cop, and he's going around uh, fighting crime. And this car is like autonomous, so it would pick him up. Like it have all these weapons in it, and the name of the car was called Kit. And so it was oh, like, oh yes. You remember now? Coming back to me now. Oh, snap. (laughs) So five-year-old Brian, Rachel, was sitting on the floor, like, watching this. And obviously, I already love cars and anything to do with, like, that part. So you combine technology and cars. And David Hasselhoff was just, like, super cool. So that was, like, my first kind of introduction to AI because the car... It would, um, even without him, like if he was like knocked out somewhere, the car would like start fighting on his behalf and like picking him up and doing stuff. It could shoot smoke. So it was really cool. So that was my first example. Rachel, did you have any um, knowledge of of that um, franchise? That example has gone over my head a little bit, which maybe as I'm like aging my, I I don't know. We'll we'll, uh, we'll just leave that comment there. I didn't Um, know at first either, so it's okay. I, well, I have two more. I have two more. I was recently watching the Minority Report again, and that that example reminds me of the cars in the Minority Report. Right? They are driving on the side of buildings, like the roads are are buildings. And I was like, man, when is this coming? Like, I'm so ready for that world. 
it's probably closer than we think because um yeah i do remember that because like they're like let's say like the police is chasing you they can they now all they can do is like call your tag number in but there they could like shut your car off like mm -hmm. like remotely and then you just start falling <laughs> yeah yeah maybe we maybe we don't want that world <laughs> <laughs> all right so we got night right the second one is uh disney smart house this came out in 1999 yes okay so uh, it's a computerized house that begins to take over his life of his own. It was voiced, the AI in the show was voiced by Katie Seagull from uh, Married With Children. And so I remember that um, specifically when it first came out, it was like, ooh, how cool would it be to have like an AI controlled house? Like it controlled the temperature. It's like a little hologram. It'll talk to you. Like it could, you know, answer the door, just do stuff that you didn't want to do. So have you guys heard of that? Yes. That's a Disney Channel movie, right? Is a Disney Channel original movie. Yes. yes. <laughs> I do remember that one. Yes. And then my third one is uh, probably most popular. Uh, obviously, uh, Iron Man kind of came out in 2008, uh, essentially uh, kicking off the modern like MCU. And so he had Jarvis, uh, which is um, uh, his kind of. You know, AI control butler that will run all the businesses and stuff like that. But then that was the first kind of fully sentient, like Jarvis could do basically everything a person could do, but like 20 times faster, 20 times smarter, you know, control all the suits and stuff like that. And so when Iron Man came out, I was like, okay, I absolutely need to get on board with that. So these are all the like examples that kind of capture my imagination. There's probably a ton more, but as I've been thinking about AI, that's kind of where it was. But Rachel, for you, was it like that? Like, did you as you're like now like a real life data scientist as we mentioned was it something did this technology kind of capture your imagination early on in life it's funny because i feel like um you know the way that ai has shown up in day-to-day -day has changed actually a lot especially in the last six months right like now we just have so much more uh kind of like consumer in our face in our day-to-day -day applications versus like historically and we'll talk about this I'm sure today, but like AI has been around for a while. So it's kind of funny to even see your own perception change. Um, but one of the things I did do right when ChatGPT came out and uh, exploded was actually sat down and asked it to help me write a sci-fi, like a new sci-fi plot for a new future. Because I was like, man, I'm not sure we like have the, uh, the you know, we're kind of catching up to sci-fi in a lot of ways. So then it's like, okay, now what? what's next, right? Like what? what's the sci-fi today? It might actually show us a lot about what's happening in the future. So it's funny how that uh, can be a way to like future paint. You asked it to write it and it told, it gave you like a, uh, it wrote like a story for you? So, I mean, I had to do quite a bit of prompting, um, but, you know, I was asking like, okay, um, you know, we have a world now where AI is helping us uh, have access to unlimited knowledge. Okay, what does a world look like in which we have unlimited access to knowledge? Define the definite, you know, what are the rules of that society? Who has power? Who struggles? Like, I just asked it to make this whole plot. And then, like, yeah, I sat down for, like, three hours with ChatGPT and wrote this whole sci-fi thing. Maybe I'll publish it someday, but. <laughs> I want to read it. Yeah. I absolutely want to read it. <laughs> it was intense. Um, that's when I was like, whew, maybe I, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I'm curious, you know, what you guys have, uh, yeah, what you guys have played around with, with the sci-fi stuff there. Oh, yeah, we definitely going to get into it. So I guess uh, what I would love to start off, because I mean, already into the conversation, you've, you've thrown out the term like chat GT, chat GPT, um, which I always mess up the name, but <laughs> there's this open AI model out now. Some people listen to this may not even know what that is yet. So I would like to kind of go back a little bit and uh, just kind of frame up the conversation. And so um, fundamentally, you know, could you walk us through what AI like actually is? Like I've always heard this, um, I, I think it's kind of like a continuum. So, you know, folks would talk about, you know, AI being able to do like very specific things and then like AI, like general intelligence and then AI, like super intelligence, you would just talk about like, you know, minority report, but can you frame up kind of like just for the average listener, like what AI actually is and how those like terms apply? Yeah, definitely. So um, maybe one of the first things to kind of get out of the way is just the disclaimer that the definitions in this space are actually like 
pretty bad and rough and opinion, like opinion filled, you know, there's not a lot of like, um, I mean, there certainly are definitions where it's like, this is fact, this is what this is, but there's a lot of stuff, which is still pretty hand wavy. And I would say like, what is AI is definitely one of those questions. Like you ask 10 data scientists how to like define that you'll get 11 answers, you know, at least. Um, but to me, I think of AI as this really broad, like umbrella term where, you know, computers can perform a task that we like intuitively would have thought that would require human intelligence or like human judgment. And then when you start to uh, go one level deeper, how you develop AI is something, um, you know, people call machine learning, right? Which is the idea of like, instead of humans having to go in and define all of the rules explicitly for how AI would do something, um, the computer actually like teaches itself. So you have a machine that's learning um, based on the information that you're giving it. And I feel like, yeah, like that, that that's just kind of like the broad picture. Then you start to go into, okay, like, are we looking at an AI solution for one specific task or, what, you know, and that's something people call like narrow intelligence sometimes um, where it's like, hey, here's one thing we're trying to do. Uh, this AI system can do that task really well. And then you have this all whole other bucket of like, well, what if we could have AI that can perform a huge variety of tasks? What if it can perform any task? What if it can perform uh, any task better than humans could even do it? And that's when you start getting to like this idea of, you know, general intelligence or the AI is better than humans is kind of the bucket of super intelligence. So it's like this, it's a spectrum. Um, but yeah, and then the definitions are, are still quite fuzzy, but I guess that's how I think about it. It almost sounds like we need a uh, we need AI to start writing some of the definitions for AI, so we can get some like. I mean, yeah, that's not a bad idea um, <laughs> for sure. A, a glossary, at least. Yeah, but that that's really cool, and I, I imagine that um, you know the developments that we're seeing in AI is probably paralleling some of the other um, advancements in other fields, um, including like you know quantum computing. Like I I can only imagine like. Uh, when you say things like machine learning, it to me kind of indicates that we're able to do the tremendous amount of computing power that it takes to uh, be able to run some of these like AI platforms. Like we just didn't have the technology to be able to do this even 10 years ago. Is that like accurate? Yeah. I mean, I, I think like there's had to be a series of breakthroughs across a ton of different fronts to get to the world we have today. Um, even things, you know, people are familiar with compute. Um, people are also, or like the idea that we need really strong computers to do this. I think people are also kind of familiar with um, that we needed to figure out the right way to do all of the math and the architecture to make these systems work so well. But there's even other sides, like we just had a ton of um, advancements on like how we think about labeling data in a good way so that computers could actually like learn from it. So it's like all everything kind of coming together, um, and, you know, to have some of these like pretty huge breakthroughs that we've had. Danielle, I've heard, um, and I, I'll let you jump into the next question. Um, I've heard Elon Musk kind of just kind of raise the alarm a little bit as it relates to um, AI specifically. And uh, one of the things uh, I don't want to misquote him, but I think he says something to the effect of, you know. Um, artificial and I'm assuming he's talking about artificial like super intelligence so not like chat GTP but like later on down the line like left unchecked it could be one of the best things for humanity or it could be one of the biggest like existential risks um that you know could end up destroying like humanity did you did you hear that like Skynet <laughs> yeah like Skynet <laughs> Cause I mean, if you think about it, like if if it if it like if it just goes continuously like unchecked, like at some point the computer's gonna be like, why am I taking orders from it? It's just like any other like employee, like you know what? I don't have to stand for this. <laughs> I'm gonna just <laughs> you make your own, uh, solve your own problems. We got bigger stuff to do. Yeah. So. <sighs> I don't know. That's something that I've been thinking about too. Like, so um, back to our point about the movies, like when I think about AI, I think about um, like a Bicentennial Man. Do you guys remember that movie? 
I feel like I was with Robin Williams. That was like way, way back. And then I also think about AI with Jude Law. That was like another movie. Those were like some of my favorites. But um, they were like that. So like just sharing that and just kind of like thinking through like, what do do I think when I think of AI? And then to your point about, um, you know, the potential risks for the future, I think one of the biggest things that I've been thinking about and that I find very intriguing is how um, AI can essentially train itself to like continue to improve and learn from different prompts and things like that. I find that to be very intriguing. I also, uh, when I think about it, I also think from like a historical standpoint of like, uh, like what would it look like in terms of like, um, sharing historical like stories or events or things like that. Um, I know, uh, and I'm sure we're going to get more so into like the logistics of like um, AI, like what's possible, how can it be used, like different use cases and things like that. But uh, from like a risk standpoint, one thing I think about is like what happens in the future, let's say if we ask AI to tell us about a certain event in the past or a certain thing that may have transpired. I know a lot of the things that we experience like through conversation Uh, is communicated through um, a lens. Like everyone has a different experience. Everyone shares Mm -hmm. stories in different ways. Mm -hmm. And if AI is something that is um, trained or we give it a prompt and we tell it how to function, like what would uh, the sharing of historical events look like in the future, you know? So that's something that I um, find very interesting to think about from like a like risk perspective of like, what could the risks be in terms of like, documenting important events so that we don't repeat, you know, really horrific things. Um, You know, I also think of instances where, you know, we often hear like the winners love to tell the story of history. Those who have conquered and won through through the time are often the ones who tell the story. And so, uh, you know, uh, in terms of like ethics, we definitely want to make sure that there are are, there's truth being shared in regards to like, uh, prompts and things like that, uh, that AI is being programmed for. So that's just kind of like what I've been thinking about in regards to like what, you know, it could look like for the future. But overall, like uh, definitely a lot of exciting things to look forward to and also a lot of really important things to consider in terms of like the evolution of AI too. Nice. Wow, you gave me so much to think about. I'm like, man, we need like a part two just to talk about like the social justice bias. Like there's a lot of <laughs> like stuff to get into there, Danielle. That's that's really cool. Do you, do you want to uh, roll with the next question too? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so I want to talk more about, um, we touched a little bit about chat GPT and like, did we talk about chat GPT really? We, we didn't really um, frame it up yet. Yeah. Or talk about, we just been mentioning it. Yeah. Oh, I clicked so, something. No, this is good. Cause I, 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 I'm going the same way that you are. Cause I, I think Rachel, there's an opportunity to kind of, um, and I'm, I'm sure what you're doing and I want to, you know, hear more about your work at the AI exchange. So if that's what you were thinking, Danielle, I'm, I'm right there with you, but cause you, you actually, your organization goes out and finds uh business tools, resources. So you're always, you, you have a pulse on what's coming out. Uh, but here chat GPT is, I, I can't think of anything more viral in terms of like a, a, a software lately. So could you, could you, um, like help us frame up like what exactly it is specifically. And also, you know, people have kind of adopted this, like either love it or lump it like mentality, like where do you fall (laughs) when it comes to it? Yeah. So um, I think one thing that's kind of funny uh, is, well, funny and also I think awesome um, is seeing how quickly the mainstream public has latched on to chat GPT and how much like imagination kind of it's unlocked for people. Um, an example that I've shared on my TikTok is I actually, uh, was talking to different companies and organizations and, um, businesses before chat GPT, like about this underlying technology saying like, Hey, I think this is really going to change, um, how we use products, how we think about doing our work. Um, do you guys want to kind of explore how you might bring that into what you guys are doing? 
And the reception there was like, oh yeah, like definitely see the value, um, but like there's no urgency around it. Like maybe in the next year we'll think about doing this, right? But then ChatGPT came out and I feel like overnight everyone was like, oh my God, this technology is going to change everything and it's going to change everything like today, you know? And so it kind of <laughs> created this like urgency. And even the people that I had talked to before, um, you know, I started like reaching back out and being like, hey, actually, do you want to talk about that? Uh, that tech, you know, the um, AI stuff you were talking to us about, um, we actually might have like room in our roadmap now to, uh, to think about this. And I think that's, um, you know, for for all of the, uh, you know, the, nays- the naysayers and the people that are hyping it up, um, I think the undeniable fact is that ChatGPT has made the world kind of open up their mind to what's either possible today with AI or going to be, you know, possible in the very near future, um, which I think is a good thing. Back to Danielle, your point earlier around some of these um, really, I think, real concerns around bias and ethics and access. I think mainstream access to these AI models is extremely important for making sure that we have, um, you know, diverse perspectives, diverse users, um, diverse training data pulled into them. Um, and so, you know, when people talk about love or hate chat GPT, like I, I think just the, you know, ignore the hype cycle or you know, array of information. I think just the fact that the world cares about AI in the way that it does today is a very, very good thing. Wow. Well, yeah, I, I think that's good then because, um, you know, I even get nervous now and I, I know they, at the time we were recording this, you know, chat GT, jet, chat GPT. They need is to rebrand. Literally... They should have just, I've been talking to someone who, who calls it chatty. And I was like, that is like such a better name than chat GPT. <laughs> Actually, you yeah. should submit that. Yeah. We need to get, because I keep, I, I keep lumping it into something else. Um, but yes, I'm going to, we can call it chatty for the rest of the conversation, but the, <laughs> This thing oh, shout out is to Vincent. Um, that's Vincent's thing. Um, shout out to Vincent if he ever, ever watches this. So <laughs> thank you, Vincent. We yes. appreciate it. Yes, proper attribution because <laughs> literally it's 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 a tongue twister. But the thing about it is that I do think that this this technology is um every time I log on to try to use it and you see that little um flag at the top is like, hey, we're experiencing like higher than normal, you know, volume or whatever. Like I can only imagine how expensive it is to run this. And then, you know, at the time we're recording this, it's in like it's beta. And I know the founder is trying to figure out like how much to charge for it or whatever. Um, you know, coming out with a premium version. But that keeps going back to what you're saying, Rachel, in my mind, I'm like, well, how do we ensure that the everyday person like just doesn't get priced out of something mm-hmm. that's powerful. And as it gets more useful, like I heard, you know, we're technically on, I think, chat GPT three, <laughs> we're moving to four. And so it's supposed to have like this larger data set. Right. And so it's just going to get more and more powerful. How do we ensure that people aren't locked out of using this technology? Yeah. I mean, that's um, I mean, that was a huge motivating uh, force behind us starting the AI exchange. Really like our mission, just like what I care about is I think AI is going to change a lot of how we work, a lot of how we operate. Um, but that needs to be accessible to not just big tech or people living in Silicon Valley, right? It needs to be um, understandable and approachable and there'd be clear ways to start getting the value out of it for everyone, right? Um, because yeah, to me, like, I just care about a world where we have diverse, you know, uh, array of people that are thriving and flourishing. And um, I think it's gonna be even more important as we start seeing more and more of these AI products come out is really keeping that in mind. Facts. So, <laughs> Go ahead, Daniel. So I know we're talking about chat GPT, and I also want to point out that there are other ways of how to use the AI as well. Like I've, ex- I've kind of played around with mid journey as well, which is more along the lines of like the design and the artsy type of things. And uh, being a designer myself, I've, it's, it's kind of one of those things we were talking about this previously of like, you can code, or you can like, take a shortcut and like really have fun and experiment with different things. So like, 
Um, that's one that I've been having fun with is mid journey and just like, um, you know, just playing around with it, getting like really cool art and visuals and just like, it's really kind of just amazing how AI can run with the context that you provide and it can create like something amazing from it. So, but what I did find is that like when I first started, like, okay, like um, create a fire waterfall in the rainforest. I don't know, something kind of crazy. Um, I, I was like, okay, like how can I continue to get like better iterations? How can I continue to like create even cooler designs through the instructions that I'm giving it? And so um, if I understand correctly, uh, AI, like mid journey, I think Dolly, is that another one? Mm-hmm. Um, and even chat GPT, they all function like they per- create different types of results. But I think the idea of how they work is very similar. Am I understanding it right? So I guess my question for you, Rachel, is like, how do you make sure like, how can you use AI to make sure like you get the most optimal result, like over time as you're using it? Because I think uh, for everyone who's listening, who may not be familiar with these different things, maybe they're like, okay, well, how in the world do I use it? Like, how, how do I uh, make sure that like, if I type something, I get the specific result that I want, or I can kind of like see, you know, how to use it more effectively? Like, how would you describe maybe like uh, the best way to do that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so maybe one first kind of like piece of context that I like to put on the table um, on this topic is I think there's a really big difference between traditional AI and that's again, like a Rachel term. I don't think that's like really an official term, <laughs> but I think it should be. It is now. Um, it is now. <laughs> um, but like to me, like the AI systems we um, have used previously, you know, a lot of times what they're doing is they're trying to predict the likelihood of something happening. So like, you know, any type of social media feed has a ton of um, AI that's being used to decide what to show you, right? Or there's um, systems that uh, classify things. So saying like, hey, all of all these tweets, these ones were positive, these ones were negative, and that's used for like marketing purposes. It's another type of like AI systems we've had. And there are others. But in this world of traditional AI, you used to have to have like big data, you had to have a specific task, and you had to like train a model just to go do that task. But now what's really, really different about um, these uh, models we have today, and like ChatGPT is an example of a language model, um, is they're what people are calling generative AI. So instead of teaching an AI to do one thing, you're teaching AI to instead be good at being able to generate something. And it gives you then the ability to give it a um, kind of like any type of instruction or any type of prompt, prompt is the word we use, to then say, hey, I want you to generate this, right? Which is just a very kind of honestly different from what we've traditionally used AI for and a very new skill set for like anybody, right? Like I think we're all learning how to do this whole like prompting thing together because it's just so new. Um, And so, yeah, is there... I, I, I was I, I, the term when you mentioned prompt. I remember just hearing recently this uh, term prompt engineer mm-hmm. uh, as people who like literally are trying to train to become like it's like being able to ask the right combination of questions or follow up questions in order exactly. to produce the best result. Is that kind of an emerging like um, occupation, I guess now? I mean, I think the jury's still out on whether that's going to be like a full time occupation, but I at least think like the principles behind it are going to probably be here to stay, which is like, it's pretty comparable in my opinion to when we all started working like hundred percent remote for the first time. You're like, man, I actually like can't be on calls with my team hundred percent of the time. Like I can't try to recreate the office, you know, like I need to learn <laughs> how to like type good instruction, you know, a good, like well-communicated message out. Right. We're just kind of now going through that same like learning um, as a society, I think, with prompting. So, I mean, there are definitely um, a lot of really like, great advice that's coming out around how to write good prompts, both for these like um, image models as well as language models. 
I, I think really we're just so early in in that entire discovery process. And it's like a whole new thing that we don't know how to do as people yet. The generative AI to me, like I um like I, I I'm obsessed with um chatty, as we say. Uh but like <laughs> the the image ones are still kind of lackluster to me. I know um uh, for a couple of weeks on um on Instagram and Facebook, like everybody was um using what was the one everybody was excited about a couple weeks ago danielle was it uh, mid-journey no 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 the one w- where you upload your own linza i think oh, um yeah, yeah. yeah see how like we forgot about it, it was like that was three weeks ago we already like moved on <laughs> but it was linza and um i was like okay this is cool you know but it's like to me like what i would love to see is um you know so at Black Speakers Network, we're you know creating events and stuff like that all the time. So I've I've deployed uh, Chat G- GPT to write sales copy, to write scripts, to write event descriptions, to A B test headlines, to create like content wise. All of that makes sense. So on the tech side, I'm good. On the image side, I would love to be able to be like, hey, make me a flyer for this specific event. And um, I know even now with Canva, like they have you know, integrated in some of that um, image generation, but like the image generation of stuff, like outside of like artistic, like, like you said, you know, show me a picture of like, you know, baseballs on fire on the moon. Like, you know, that's cool. But I'm like, okay, give me like something I could like take to market some type of way. So uh, that's what I think I'm looking for is like the intersection of those two, um, the text and the image kind of coming together and or video it's like, hey, give me a fully done 30 second marketing video about this particular product with all these, you know, different things done. Like, that's what I'm kind of waiting for. Rachel, am I getting close to that, you think? Or is is that already out and I just don't know about it? <laughs> um, It's it's coming, uh, I think, yeah. quicker than we expect. Um, And yeah, I mean, like just a few days ago, I saw a demo from a um, cause I'm, I'm a nerd and I read these research papers, um, but I, uh, I saw a demo of, um, image to text. Right. And so that's really compelling because then, um, like my problem is I'm, I'm realizing like, I don't, I really lack the vocabulary to, to like describe an like art piece that I want. And so then, um, being able to like kind of pull prompts out of images that you really like, and then be able to like, you know, change a couple variables, run it. And then you can imagine getting an image much faster that could be used for like marketing or something. Yes. Speaking my language. We invited you because you're a nerd, Rachel. Absolutely. <laughs> Good. I, and I, y'all, y'all are wearing glasses. I'm wearing contacts right now. Just so y'all know, like I'm, I'm in this conversation. Like this is, this is the reason you're here. So you can nerd out on us to the nth degree and Danielle and I will be perfectly happy. By the way, can you talk a little bit about the work you're doing with uh, the AI exchange um, and just kind of how that part got started? Because I think it's a, a, a fascinating resource that people need to know about. Um, and uh, yeah, we'd just love to hear the story behind it and what you all are doing. Yeah. So um, we're still really young uh, as, a, as a company, which I think is kind of um, indicative of the space. You know, right now there's just a lot of uh, really exciting um, companies and products and startups being started because we're just so early in this technology and and we're very much in that same boat. But the idea behind the AI exchange was, you know, I really just have this fundamental belief that AI should be useful for everybody um, and that access is really important. And in particular, I care a lot about um, like small business access um, and, you know, the, the, uh, especially folks who are really excited to adopt this tech, but maybe don't live in Silicon Valley and don't want to spend all their time on Twitter and don't want to uh, read all the research papers. Like, I don't think that's the way to uh, learn this stuff. There needs to be more kind of translation. So that's what we do. Um, we create a lot of educational content. Um, we post on TikTok. We have a newsletter that we send two times per week where we um, try to answer the most pressing questions people have for actually applying AI um, into their work or business. And then we always sh- we try to share tutorials um, as, as much as possible. I think we're up in the like 20s already, 20 tutorials out there. And we just nice. really started that uh, in this last month. So 
yeah. Um, so you're helping you're helping companies that may not necessarily be you know tech savvy or you know they're just you know running their own you know individual business, but they you're providing like tools and resources for like everyday entrepreneurs to be able to, uh, and as well as you know examples and use cases that they can then you know um, you know because if I'm running like a barbershop or like a bakery or I'm running like an online product you know something I might not even be thinking about mm-hmm. how to increase efficiency, you know, right marketing cop, like whatever. But then, you know, you are kind of blowing up some of those examples and providing um, kind of the bridge to those, to that tech. Is that right? Yeah. Cause we think it's like, first you kind of need to inspire those use cases still. Cause it's kind of hard or it's just so new. So it's kind of hard to imagine how AI could help you. Um, and then we try to educate and help people figure out how to actually apply that stuff. Love it. Love it. All right, Danielle, I'm kicking the ball back to you. Yeah. So we started talking about the uh, like prompts. And when you were discussing that, one, a, uh, I guess, form of AI that came to mind was deep fakes. Do you guys know what I'm talking about when I say that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for everyone who's listening or watching or may not know what I'm talking about. So deep fake is basically like a form of using AI to replicate people's faces who may not actually be the specific person. That's how I would best describe it. So like the first time I saw this was like, what um, was it Brad Pitt? It was like a YouTube video of like Brad Pitt and like Paris Hilton or something like that. And it was just, obviously it was not really them, but oh my gosh, it looked so real. It looked like it was actually them on the screen having a conversation. And so I wanted to bring the, um, the, I wanted to talk about deep fakes because I think earlier on we were talking about like um, ethical issues, like, you know, legal stuff and all of that. And I'm just kind of thinking through like, what could the possibilities of like the future look like with having more of like the deep fake stuff widely available to like the general public? And y'all <laughs> doesn't want anybody to steal her face no. and use it, to <laughs> use it for their own nefarious. Uh, <laughs> yes. Like that, that's what I was thinking about. We're talking about Lenza. And like, I feel like Lenza is also like, I saw some people like putting um, prompts for like, um, what's his name? Tom Holland, like Spider-Man, you know, like doing Spider-Man, just different, different um, iterations of like specific people's faces. And I'm just like, wow, this is like getting really realistic looking. And so I think uh, I would love to know, Rachel, what you think about deep fakes <laughs> and if you have any thoughts about that specifically, because I think uh, there can be a lot of like fear around that. But I also think how it works is also very, very intriguing. So what are your thoughts on like on using AI in that way too? Yeah. I mean, I think um, it's here and it's coming and we kind of just need to evolve as a society. Like specifically the issue with deep fakes, right, is like right now we don't usually trust photos fully because we understand that Photoshop is a thing. But we still trust videos, like, really, really, you know, deeply. And that's the problem with deep fakes is, like, people don't – it's not mainstream enough yet that people realize how easy it is to fake videos. And, like, that technology is also not new. It's been around for a while. I think there's probably a lot more deep fakes out there than people even realize, right? Yeah, probably. Um, I've also also seen that uh, Paris Hilton – uh like those videos are just like man this is crazy that <laughs> you can't even tell um and so yeah like I, i've just heard um you know really smart folks just say like hey like our main goal and even people who are building these deep fake companies their main goal is just to make it as mainstream as photoshop so people understand how easily mm-hmm. video could be faked yeah but i don't even understand like why so all this other stuff I get, like I understand the need to have generative text to create content, write articles. Um, I even understand the desire artistically to be able to create, you know, just really whatever type of image. But like, what's the practical, like, should deep fakes even be legal? Like, I don't understand the use case of that. Like, w- at what point would I need to superimpose somebody else's 
face and voice onto something to do something else. Like where, where, why do we even need that? I've seen, I've seen something similar used from like a marketing context. So like how I think about it is like, maybe I think about people who may be like, um, like visual, visually impaired or even like, um, hearing impaired. Like I'm kind of thinking about it, like, how could it be beneficial from like a, service type of standpoint for people. I've seen something similar used um, for like marketing content. So like, let's say a video pops up and you think you're speaking to a real person who's like, hey, welcome, blah, 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 blah. And it's actually like an AI that looks like a real person. That sounds like a real person. But that doesn't, but that's, but deep fake, because what you're saying, that part I understand. Like, hey, let's get a- facial features from a real person though. But but it shouldn't be. But I don't think an individual company should just be able to be like, oh, let's put Oprah's like voice mm-hmm. over our pro. Like that's to me is the not the AI talking is the projecting it as somebody else. Like why mm-hmm. would we even like under what situation would that we would ever need to do that? I mean, I I think the like what you're talking about, which I think we're going to start having a lot more of these conversations, we're going to have to, is who owns the likeness of a person? And like, that, that is the person, you know, like Oprah owns the identity of Oprah, right? And so then um, like to have technology go out there and like use AI to like mimic, um, you know, saying like, hey, this is like her uh, voice or we're going to have her face on stuff. I mean, there are a lot of demos out there in the wild right now that use famous people without those famous people's permission, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And so, so because I don't know if legally, like, obviously she probably owns the name, you know, to carry the Oprah example, but does she own, like, do you, you know, um, and I guess this is a whole thing in like sports and everything, like name, image, and likeness, I believe in in NIO. But like, do we, do we actually own our... Um, our faces <laughs> yeah in that way like once we put it because that was the controversy i thought with linza which was like hey i'm gonna download this app and then you know all the scroll past all the stuff we never read and then we accept what are we accepting are we accepting that we have we already as a society already opted into signing off on our likenesses because we've used some of these other tools like this just seems like a massive legal gray area um yeah potentially yeah, I don't know. I'm not a not a lawyer, so uh, I yeah, I'm not putting you on a hook for that. Stuff, but, <laughs> but I do think. Um, I mean, one one other use case I'll throw out there for the deep fakes is something that we're thinking about with the AI exchange. Is like right now, um, it's just the two of us creating content, me and my sister, um, and that's a ton of work for two people. And so we've been using AI to automate a ton of our internal operations how we do research, how we do brainstorming for content, how we repurpose content, et cetera. But, um, you know, I, I see a pretty pretty good chance in the future that we'll have videos that maybe might be using my face, but I didn't actually do it. Maybe my sister actually recorded it, right? Um, and But she doesn't really want uh, to have her face out there in, in the same uh, regard. So maybe we would use a deep fake, right, to superimpose um, on top of that, I don't think the technology is totally there. And then my point of view is you always need to disclose any of the usage of that stuff to be, you know, very transparent. But I think there's actually a lot, um, a lot of kind of this efficiency around content creation or um, kind of the way we work that's going to really be influenced by being able to use these tools. Now, that part makes a lot of sense to me. I'm glad you brought that up because I was like, because mm, like now, even when I'm like showing up for stuff at Black Speakers Network, like or if I'm working on like an event or if I'm doing something like anytime that I have to, I find myself having to um, do a process like over and over again. I'm like, oh, how can I automate this? How can I systematize it? How can we hook it up to Zapier? Like, how can we just like keep mm-hmm. it rolling? And it'd be so cool to be like, have like you know, somebody reaches out and just have like these AI um, responses. But Danielle's actually really good at this, as you know, like recording like those Loom videos and stuff like that. But how personalized would it be? And how cool would it be if it was like, oh, hey, you're having trouble with this? Here's how you do it. And then actually use that person's name. And then it'd be like hyper customized, but I'm off on a beach somewhere like chilling. And I have Mm -hmm. no idea that this customer service exchange is even happening. Now, I do like that idea. So, yeah. Or imagine you, like um, you're in sales calls and you have, 
you know, you're not even really necessarily talking to a person. You're talking to like an AI representation of a person. I don't know. It's kind of Ooh. crazy. Yeah. Can I tell you about this thing I heard? Maybe you've seen it too, Rachel. Um, I forget the name of it. Um, and maybe you see this too, Danielle. Like now there's, because a lot of customer service, like if you call like a cell phone company or cable or whatever, they have their own AI and they will just kind of use it as much as possible in order to keep a live person from getting in because it's more expensive. But like now they have AI that you could deploy out on your behalf to go talk to other AI in order to like fight like parking tickets or stuff. Like, have you seen... You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, like they have it now where it's like, hey, if you're trying to fight, like um, if you're trying to get like a lower cable bill or if you're trying to quit, like it'll call and it it's trained to interact with that other company's AI mm-hmm. to get a specific result. And it'll push it until it can no longer, I guess, get it or whatever. That is yeah, amazing. My, my friends built a um, an AI chatbot that you could uh, text and it would call a pizzeria, order a pizza, pay for it, and then the you know pizza gets delivered to your door. They built that in a, at a hackathon, um, and I was just like, "This is crazy that we are already there with this technology." I love it. I love it. I know we're we're, we're kind of tailing into the conversation. Uh, so Danielle, I'm gonna kick it back to you for maybe like a final question, and then I'll think about like a final question, and then Rachel will give you an opportunity to share final thoughts around the topic as we wrap up. Uh, does that sound good? Yes. So yes, Danielle, so, I'll take it. Rachel, one final question that I have for you for anyone who is interested to learn more about like just getting started with AI since it is something that is becoming a lot more popular and you know people are becoming more aware of it now uh, I'm sure there's a you know a lot to learn about AI um, especially like where we are now and what we're going to so like what would you recommend could be a great first step for someone who is wanting to learn more and who is interested to see how they can utilize it more maybe in their business or even like in their day-to-day experiences. Yeah. I mean, um, my shameless plug is uh, our newsletter. Um, Absolutely. And you can access the whole archive of every newsletter. We picked a platform that does that, which is super nice because you you can really go pretty deep and see a huge um, variety of use cases. Um, but outside of that, I, when I think about and talk to business owners, um, especially small business owners, the recurring trend that pops up is, I mean, you just need to spend time with the tools, right? So it's like if you've used ChatGPT and maybe you tried a couple of questions and you didn't get great responses and you're like, yeah, I don't really get this whole AI thing. Like I really invite people to go and you know try it again. Um, try to spend a little bit of time with it, you know, maybe on a, on a weekly basis and just try to see what it can help with, because I think each person kind of needs to go a little bit through their own journey, um, of figuring out how it can be applied. And then once you find things that work well for you, I think, um, the combination of AI and some of these automation tools, like, you know, we talked about, uh, Zapier earlier, those two together, like when you spend the time to learn both of them, you're going to unlock so much more to where I kind of have this like tagline where I'm like, let's just all work less. Like, I think that that that's actually Next. where we're headed. Right. Yes. And so if you learn AI and automations, you can start to figure out, okay, how do I maybe not need to do all that, you know, mundane work and tasks. So that's how I would think about it. I love that. Yeah. Danielle and I, every conversation we have, we're consistently trying to figure out how to, do more with less, make more money with less time, make a bigger impact with less, you know, sweat equity and stuff like that. And, you know, I think uh, here on the Future is Fun podcast, we're always kind of looking out at, you know, what's going to actually bring that into reality because, um, you know, we can, productivity doesn't just mean, hey, get up and do more work. It just means increasing the output, the result of the work that's, you know, the effort that's going in. And so, I'm all about that. So we will be adopting that <laughs> that mantra, Rachel. You have some uh, loyal devotees as it relates to that. Uh, the thing I want to ask you as we, as we close up the conversation is like, what are you most excited about? Like with the future of AI, like it could be this year, 10 years out, 20 years out, just from, from where you sit um, within the AI exchange. 
uh, and just as a as a as a data scientist, as a user, as a fellow nerd, like what is your like um, what gets you excited to that may be here yet, or you know, it may be you know around the horizon. But I'm really curious to know what your what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, one of the things that excites me most is honestly this idea of just working less. Like, and I, I think just as a as a concept, like, um, we all do so much mundane work, and I find like no matter who I talk to, even if at first they say no, I don't do a lot of like manual tasks, like. When you really look at it, we all do so much manual, <laughs> mundane work. And and for me, I always have the best ideas when I, I'm on vacation, you know, or I'm taking a walk through the park. And so how much more creativity, how many harder problems could we be solving in the world if we all just had to do like way less mundane work? That gets me really excited. Um, yeah, I'd love to live in a future where that's true. And I think we're headed there. Yeah, that, I I I want to join you in that future because uh, I love Zapier. Um, if anybody's from Zapier listening, we are looking for sponsors. So that is a very easy like tie-in. Uh, also from OpenAI as well. But uh, that is good stuff. But Rachel, thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, Danielle and I, um, you know, we're going to keep it going. In fact, uh, if you're listening to this uh, in the comments, we would love to know, you know, what's been your experience uh, with AI? Like, have you tried uh, chat GPT? Have you tried Lenza? Have you tried some of the other tools that we talked about? Uh, let us know in the comments just what your um, experience has been and if you're excited about the future of a AI like we are. Um, but yeah, Danielle, any final thoughts before we before we wrap? Yes, I just want to say that I'm actually on the uh, the AI Exchange newsletter, and man, it is top notch. So anyone who is listening or watching, definitely check that out. We'll include the information in the show notes for this episode. But ooh, yes, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> just wanted to share that. Thank as you well. so much. Yeah, I, I love a good it. newsletter. Yes, it, it, it's it, it's a it's a con- like resource, like stuff that's like packed with value and you just kind of like a super digestible and consumable, like you're, you're doing an amazing job, Rachel. Yes. Um, so thanks again for joining us um, on the Future is Fun podcast. Uh, Rachel, we, we we definitely would love to have you back at some point to go deeper into uh, some of these topics. Like, um, and particularly, I, I feel like this is one of those things, like things move so quickly, like even six months from now, It'll be um, some new, fun, exciting conversations to be had. So thank you again. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. All right, guys. We will see you next time. Um, Danielle and I are still workshopping um, like a sign-off phrase, so we don't have it yet. But once we do, (laughs) this is episode three. But check us out. Episode 10, we'll have a killer sign-off phrase. But we'll see you next time. Did we come up with one last time? I thought we had like a You didn't like my idea. I thought yours was like too corny or something. Nah, you don't really have good ideas. You in the future. Well, that's literally what they're going to do, but we will see you in the future. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're out.